0: Chapter 4, Part 8 of the Works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume 10 Ingersoll's Closing Address to the Jury in the Second Starroot Trial. Part 8 of 24. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by William Jones part eight now in order to prepare your mind for the next point i am going to make and in order that you may know something about this man raerdale i will give you some further information about him i do not think you are sufficiently acquainted with this character and any little points that i have i want to give to you i want to paint his portrait in every lineament, every mark I want to give you every hair on his head. Remember that this witness is to be corroborated. He is to be propped up and endorsed. Everybody admits that he is the pewter of perjury and has to be plated with the silver of respectability gotten from someone else. They all admit that. He is an empty bag. Somebody has to fill him up before he can stand upright. They admit that. I WANT TO CALL YOUR ATTENTION TO A FEW THINGS AS TO WHICH HE LACKED corroboration. PAGE 2215. BRODERL SWEARS THAT MINOR TOLD HIM THAT THE AMOUNTS IN THE BIDS WERE FILLED IN BY S.W. DORSEY. ON PAGE 4177, MINOR DENIES THIS, AND SAYS THAT HE FILLED IN THE BIDS WITH ONLY TWO EXCEPTIONS. On page 2216, Rurdell swears that the mail matter for J.W. Dorsey, Peck and Minor, was handled by S.W. Dorsey, and that Dorsey said that he was going to take the business out of Boone's hands. On page 3766, Dorsey swears that he had no such conversation with Rurdell. On page 2217, Verdell swears that S.W. Dorsey applied to him to go west. On page 3768, Dorsey swears that he did not employ him to go west. On page 2218, Verdell swears that he received instructions from S.W. Dorsey as to what to do on the Bismarck route. On page 3769, S.W. Dorsey swears that that is utterly untrue. On page 2219, Burdell says that he was instructed to establish a paper post office 60 miles north of the route. What was that for? According to his testimony, there was a mistake in the advertisement, and the route was too long, and this was a device to shorten it by adding 60 miles to it to make a post office thirty miles off route or sixty altogether so as to get pay for the increase of distance if it was to be a fraud why put the post office off the route why not have it on the route where would the fraud be if they travelled the sixty miles except in having a post office where none was needed they certainly would make nothing from the government by traveling the 60 miles. If they traveled the 60 miles, they would be paid for that 60 miles. But if they wanted paid pay for the 60 miles without traveling that 60 miles, they would not have put the post office so far off the route. They would have put it on the route, or very near to it, and pretend that it was off the route. Gentlemen, it is infinitely absurd to suppose that stephen w dorsey would have instructed that man to go out in that country and get up a false post office how long would a fraud like that last and live how long could the money be drawn for that service in that country they say no human being lived there who was the postmaster who was to make the reports how long in your judgment would it be before the department would find out that there was no such post office, no postmaster, and no mail? No one could think of a more shallow device than that Stephen W. Dorsey, a man who is blessed with as much brain as any man, it is my pleasure to know, would never dream of such an idiotic device. And yet, that is the testimony of Mr. Verdell, it may be that mr burdell when he got out there thought he could start a town and make money in some other way but it will not do to say that stephen w dorsey told him to get up a false and fraudulent post office when mr dorsey must have known that the mail could not have been carried to it but a few days before it would have become known that there was no such post office they would have to appoint a postmaster and he would have to live there in his loneliness a hermit of the plain and would have to make a report like that from agate that gave such a delight to mr bliss to read there was not a letter sent to that place nor would there be mr dorsey knew if there was a postmaster appointed he would have to report and in three months from that time he would have to report, first, that there was no post office, second, that there had never been any mail, and third, that he did not expect any. You see, it is utterly absurd to lay such a charge at the door of Stephen W. Dorsey. On page 3769, Dorsey swears that the statement is a falsehood; that he never did any such thing. He also denies it on page 39.24. On page 22.20, Riddell swears that he gave Pennell a petition for a post office. On page 21.56, Joseph Pinnell swears that he never saw the petition. And on page 21.71, that he never signed it and that none was sent. On page 22.21, Burdell swears that he was instructed by S.W. Dorsey to build stations 15 or 16 miles apart and use every third station. On page S. W. SW Dorsey swears that no such instructions were given. On page 4092, J.W. Dorsey swears that they started to build the stations about 30 miles apart and that after he saw general miles and was told by that officer that there would be and there must be daily mail then he concluded to build stations between the stations that he had built going over that is a sensible straight story when he went out they built a station some thirty-odd miles apart and when he talked with general miles general miles told him that there must be a daily service And then he determined to build intermediate stations as he went back. What was that testimony sworn to by Wordell for? To make you believe, gentlemen, that Stephen W. Dorsey, when he sent Wordell out, knew that there was to be expedition, and knew it because he was in conspiracy with the second assistant postmaster general. The testimony of john w dorsey lets the light in upon that story the sun rises and the mist goes what is his story i went there and built the stations about thirty miles apart and when i talked with general miles he assured me that there must be expedition and a daily mail and then i built stations at the intermediate points as we went back that is the story it is consistent with itself. Is it not wonderful that the government did not also prove by Pennell that Rurdell gave him instructions to build the ranches and told him that he had been so instructed by S.W. Dorsey? On page 2233, Rurdell swears that Minor told him that Vale was close to Brady. On page 4177, Minor swears that it is not true that he never had any such conversation. Why did they want a man close to Brady? As I explained to you before, gentlemen, they had already, according to their testimony, as they claim, proved that Miner had conspired with Brady, and yet he was going around trying to find a man close to Brady? Being a co-conspirator cool was not close enough. So, Mr. Burdell is corroborated there again by Mr. Miner, who swears that what Burdell swears is a lie. On page 2224, Burdell swears that in November 1878, Miner asked him to write certain words in a line on petition 40104. On page 4178, Miner swears that he never asked him to interline any petition. On page 2225, Burdell swears he had a conversation with Vale and Minor on the 20th of December, 1878, at the National Hotel about his employment and that he had a great many conversations there. On page 4020, vail swears that there never was any such conversation on page forty twenty one vail also swears that he has no recollection of such conversation then or at any time on page forty one seventy eight minor swears that the talk was between Rodell and himself and that vail was not there on page twenty two twenty five Burdell swears that Vale told him that the mail service they had ought to reach six hundred thousand or seven hundred thousand dollars. On page forty twenty one, Vale swears that he does not think he ever said any such thing, does not think it was possible that he ever said any such thing. On page forty one seventy nine. Minor swears that Vail never made any such statement in his presence. On page 2226, Burdell swears that at the instance of Vail and Minor, he went west January 4, 1879 to put service on the Rollins route. On 4022, Vail swears that Burdell did not go west at his instance, that Minor gave him... Burdell, a subcontract for the entire pay for the whole term, and that Burdell undertook it on his own behalf. On 4179, Miner swears that he made the arrangements with Burdell himself. On page 2227, Burdell says that Vale and Miner both told him that the service would be increased right away and to make subcontracts with that in view. On page 4180, Miner swears that he gave him no such directions, and that Burdell did all he did on his own responsibility, and that Vale did not give him any such authority. It is for you to say, gentlemen, which of these men you will believe. On page 2228, Werdell swears that in March 1879 he had a conversation with Vail about an affidavit and received instructions from Vail or Miner. On page 4024, Vail swears that he recollects no such conversation and does not think he ever had it. On page 2228, Werdell swears that Vail said in the presence of Miner, THAT HE COULD GET BRADY TO ACCEPT AN AFFIDAVIT FROM A SUBCONTRACTOR. ON PAGE 4024, VAIL SWEARS THAT HE IS VERY SURE THAT HE DID NOT SAY SO, AND THAT HE NEVER ASKED BRADY ANY SUCH QUESTION. ON PAGE 4182, MINOR SWEARS THAT HE NEVER MADE ANY SUCH STATEMENT IN VAIL'S PRESENCE. On page 2228, Burdell swears that a day or two after Vale says he had seen Brady and that Brady had agreed to accept an affidavit from a subcontractor. On page 4024, Vale denies this. On the same page, 2228, Hurdell swears that he was instructed by Vale and Minor to write to Perkins and get him to send his affidavit. On page 4024, Vail swears never that he did not know Perkins was a subcontractor. On page 4182, Minor swears that he has no recollection of it, and that he never instructed Verdell to send any form of affidavit to Mr. Perkins. On page 2230, Verdell swears that Minor wrote a form of affidavit. On page 4182, Minor swears that he has no recollection of it and that he never instructed Verdell to send any form to Perkins. As a matter of fact, the Perkins affidavit is in the handwriting of Verdell. Yet he tells you that Miner wrote the form. It will not do. On page 2231, Verdell swears that he filled in the blanks under the direction of s w dorsey that is of the perkins affidavit and filed it under the direction of s w dorsey on page thirty seven ninety three dorsey swears that he never knew there was such an affidavit and that he never gave such instructions and more than that that he never at any time or place gave werdel authority to change any affidavit or any petition that was to be filed on page 2233 burdell swears he was instructed to make the subcontract without any reference to expedition and that he dorsey would guarantee the payments if they were not filed on page 3771 sw dorsey swears that he gave him no such instructions on page twenty two thirty four verdell swears that affidavits of peck and dorsey were acknowledged in blank on page forty one eighty nine minor swears that so far as he remembers they were filled in before they were signed again it may be proper for me to say here why did not the government call j s taylor the notary of new mexico to prove that the affidavits were in blank when they were sworn to by john m peck why did they not the law presumes that every officer has done his duty and when we find at the foot of an affidavit the certificate of a notary public the law presumes that the paper above it was in the precise condition at the time the certificate was placed there in which it is then that is the presumption of law and there is only one way to overcome that presumption you must prove to the contrary one of the easiest ways on earth to do that is to bring the officer they did not bring j s taylor here from new mexico the man before whom peck acknowledged the affidavit in this case it would have been easy to have him come and to have asked him whether peck did not swear to all these affidavits in blank they did not call him they had him here once and that was enough they did not call him this time they did not call rufus wainwright of middlebury vermont he is the officer before whom john w dorsey swore to these affidavits The gentlemen of the prosecution say the affidavits were in blank, and yet they dare not put on the stand the notary before whom they were sworn to. It was not because they did not think of it. It was not because they had not the money. The government had money by the millions and agents by the thousand. You recollect how they tried to prove the destruction of those dispatches in the western union office you recollect how they brought here the superintendent how they brought here agent after agent how they brought here the man that went around and collected the dispatches and the man that drove the wagon and the man that owned the wagon and the boys that received the dispatches on the street and the man in the cellar that received them after they got there and the man that brought them and the bookkeeper that made out the check to pay for them they brought the man that receipted for them at the railroad and they followed them from the railroad to holly massachusetts and they brought the superintendent of the factory and the books of the railroad to show they had arrived they followed those dispatches from paper to pulp and yet it never occurred to them to send to middlebury and get rufus wainwright they never thought to have j s taylor subpoenaed from new mexico they had all the conveniences of modern civilization at their command and yet they never thought of getting wainwright or taylor on page thirty seven seventy one s w dorsey swears that he never instructed murdell to get any affidavits in blank. On pages 4126 and 4107, J. W. Dorsey swears that he made none in blank, that he has no recollection of any such thing. On page 2240, Verdell swears that he had a conversation with S. W. Dorsey about getting blank affidavits. On page thirty-seven, seventy-one, S. W. Dorsey denies it. On page twenty-two, forty-one, Burdell swears that S. W. Dorsey instructed him to make up the affidavit on route forty-one, one nineteen, and give him the percent of the increase of pay. What does he say there? From one hundred and fifty to two hundred percent. Interjection by Mr. Merrick. That was afterwards corrected. End of interjection. I thank you for the suggestion. That happened on Friday. We adjourned until the next Monday morning. He came in the next Monday morning, and he said that he had made a mistake, and that it ought to be from 150 to 250 percent. I immediately went and got the affidavits on the Tokerville route, because I said the percentage must be over 200% in that affidavit, or he would not have changed. I found in the affidavit that it was 255%, and I found that was why he changed. I followed that out, and I found that was the same route upon which Mr. Burdell stole nearly $5,000 according to the testimony of S. W. Dorsey, and Werdell did not deny it. So much for Tokerville and Adairville. We will come to it again, perhaps. Let me give the pages where all these matters are found. On page 3772, Dorsey denies the conversation about the affidavits, and also on page 3773, Burdell's change of his evidence will be found on page 2277. On page 2243, Burdell swears that while he was in jail, S.W. Dorsey had a key to what he called his Burdell's office. On page 3735, S.W. Dorsey swears that he never had a key to Rudell's office and that he was never in the office but twice both times with Rodell, and that he never took a paper out of the office except what Rodell gave him it will also be remembered that when Rudell was asked in his examination in chief whether anybody had a key to his office he replied that s w dorsey had a key to his office he did not at that time state that his wife had a key. Why? Because he wanted it understood that S. W. Dorsey was the only person that had a key, and that S. W. Dorsey, while Rodell was in jail, went to that office, opened it, and robbed it. On cross-examination, I made him swear that his wife had a key, and we afterwards found that his wife went there he knew she had a key. Still, in his cross-examination, when asked who had a key, he said, S.W. Dorsey. What was that for, gentlemen? So that you could infer that S.W. Dorsey was the only person who had a key, that he went there and robbed that office, as I said before. On pages 2634 and 2635, Mrs. Cushman swears that she went to Verdell's office with Mrs. Verdell. When? About six o'clock in the morning, and that they found the office open? No, they found the office locked, but found papers in a confused condition, and took away some papers. They were there about fifteen minutes. Recollect, this was the third morning that Verdell was in jail. Burdell went to jail Monday evening. That made the visit of Mrs. Cushman and Mrs. Burdell on Thursday morning, and they went there at six o'clock. Keep that in mind. Burdell got out of jail on Friday. George A. Calvert, the janitor, visited every room frequently. His testimony is on page 2672. He swears he found the door of Burdell's room unlocked. When? The day before Burdell got out of jail. What time of day? In the morning. What morning was that? Thursday morning. When did Burdell get out of jail? Friday morning. When did Mrs. Burdell and Mrs. Cushman visit the room? Thursday morning. What time in the morning? Six o'clock. When did Calvert find the room open? That same morning. The women swear that when they went there, the room was locked. Now the question arises, who opened it? The women. That is all there is to that. Mrs. Burdell, on page 2635, swears that she got the key on the second day after in the evening. That would be Wednesday evening. She used it the next morning, Thursday. On page 2247, Verdell swears that on the 20th of December, 1878, Vail promised him a good salary. On page 4021, Vail swears that he has no recollection of any such promise. That is what they call corroboration. On page twenty-three forty-eight, Rodell swears that in May eighteen seventy nine, S. W. Dorsey said, You know that John is a man of very little judgment. He does not know how to talk to these contractors. On page thirty seven thirty three, S. W. Dorsey swears that there never was any such conversation on page 2249 verdell swears as secretary and manager i kept the books for a short time on page 3636 w f kellogg swears that he Kellogg had entire charge of dorsey's books from the summer of eighteen seventy two to the fall of eighteen seventy nine and that nobody else ever made a scratch of a pen in those books On page twenty two hundred seventy. Rodell swears that Dorsey and Bosler were having a settlement in New York and sent for the books, and that he took the original books over and left them there, and that he went over to New York in June of eighteen eighty one and saw both books there, and brought their journal over and left the ledger. On page thirty nine fifty five. Dorsey swears that the first settlement he had with Bosler was in December 1879 or January 1880. Rodell swears that the time he got the copy made of his journal by the Gibbses was between Christmas 1879 and 1880. Dorsey swears there was not another settlement until November 1882. The first settlement being in eighteen seventy nine, and Rodell swearing he took the books over for a settlement, shows that he did not have them here in Washington to be copied at the time he says, and at the time other people swear that they copied them. On page thirty seven eighty eight, S. W. Dorsey swears that he never sent for any transcript, and that he, Dorsey, referred to the root book, and that Riddell never sent any such book or books as he claimed. On page 2271, Riddell swears that he gave copies of the journal to Dorsey in June 1881. That was the time that he made the affidavit. His language, by any natural interpretation, means that he handed those copies over to Dorsey at the time he made the affidavit on the 20th of June, 1881. On page 3988, Dorsey swears that he did not. And on page 3785, he again swears that he never had them. On page 3784, he again swears that Murdell never brought any book to him except the root book. On page 2271, Rodell swears that Dorsey, on the 13th of May, 1879, had him to make up a statement of the roots showing the prophets, and that he thinks he gave it to Bosler. On page 3875, Dorsey swears that he never made up any such statement by his direction, and that he never gave Rodell such an order. Why should he? According to Rodell's own statement, in which there is not a particle of truth, Dorsey, on the 13th of May, 1879, that very day, had written a letter to Bosler in which he told him about the profits, about how much it had cost him, and about how much it would cost him, and about how much the profits would be, and how much he paid to Brady. After writing such a letter to Bosler containing all the facts, why should he want rodell to make up a statement that was already in the letter itself nobody can answer there is not a genius enough in this world to make the answer on page 2272 rodell swears that he saw 7b which is a petition in eighteen seventy nine and that there were three words in his own handwriting That were not there when he first saw it the three words being and faster time he also swears that he was instructed to put them in by s w dorsey i now say that mr burdell never wrote those three words on page 783 it appears that 7b was filed april eighteenth eighteen seventy nine on page thirty seven eighty six s w Dorsey swears that Burdell's statement is false. I will now turn to the testimony of George Sears about the petition seven b which Verdell swears was altered by interlineation of the additional three words and faster time the page is eight twenty nine here comes a witness of the government apparently a good and honest man and he swears that the words and faster time were in that petition when he signed it i will take his word for it i will take his guess as against the other man's oath on page twenty two seventy three Rurdell swears that he altered eleven b and twelve b by instructions of s w dorsey now gentlemen stephen w dorsey got such a momentum of crime on him and got running at such a rate that he could not stop and whenever a petition came in he had it altered without reading it it did not make a bit of difference what the petition asked for he just said to his clerk, look, see if there's not any line in here you can add something to. I want something put in it, and I want it put in now. Mr. Burdell says he did these things without any thought. He just made the changes as he was told, without considering whether it was right or wrong. He told you here on the stand that at one time he was requested to get a partition and he had a lot of names on hand, and so he just wrote a petition and stuck the names to it. He did not even remember the route it was on. It was a matter of so little importance that he did not change his memory with it. He was told to get a petition in the regular way, and instead of doing that, he said he took some names that he had and just wrote a petition and stuck the names on, because that was easier. And it was a matter of so little importance, he really did not remember. He was like the gentleman in Texas who was tried for murder, but did not remember the name of the man he had killed. He did not charge his mind with it. This ends Chapter 4, Part 8 of 24.